Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Drink it in, Drink it in, man. Touchdown, Detroit Lions! Touch, touch, touchdown, Detroit Lions! Kool-Aid, Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers. What is going on, everybody? This is your Friday show. I'm your host, Eric Oger. I'm recording a little bit early this week, uh, Wednesday evening. Got to get the show done. Got some other things going on. Crazy busy week, as we all are very busy. But I want to talk some Lions football with you. So hopefully you listen to the Wednesday show. Um, a bit of a longer show. But I had a few bullet points. And next thing you know, I was on a few tangents. I did a few rants. I tried to give you guys some good football talk. And, I mean, I, I was just, I don't know, I was just talking ball. I was just straight serving up Kool-Aid all day, every day. Drink it in, uh... You know how I do here on the show. So, um, got a lot on this show as well. Just some different things I want to talk about. So, uh, lots going on with the team. Uh, one thing I want to focus on is kind of those guys that are under the radar or were under the radar and are kind of showing up this year. Maybe will they be a football player that will stay on this team or that could help this team in the future. We'll go through some of those. I also want to talk about some of the guys, you know, got the trade deadline coming up. Maybe some guys that just see what their value is. Would we trade them? What would it be worth it for the team? Not uh, keep them, you know, that type of thing. We'll go through that. And then I want to tee up the Cincinnati game. You know, a lot of people are saying, oh, this is winnable for the Detroit Lions, uh, basically because they see Cincinnati on the schedule. Well, I think they had a good offense. We'll work through some of their stats, numbers, maybe see where they're really at. Some of that might surprise you and surprise me as we go through it, but kind of see where we're at with this football game coming up Sunday. Ford Field, um, just just so much, just so much Kool-Aid um, to serve up today. Drink it in, uh... I mean, and there'll be a lot of cornbread on this episode as well. Cornbread! Let's get into it right now. But real quick, before we talk football, I want to say this real quick. I want to say happy birthday to my mother. Um, when this is dropping on October 15th, it's her birthday. Um, I probably have the greatest mom in the history of mothers out there. I know a lot of you guys have great ones as well. But my goodness, just so nice. Um, probably the nicest lady I know um, You know, across the board. She's always caring about other people. It's been a pastor a majority of her life. She's now retired, being able to travel around and do some great things that she enjoys doing. So I just want to take a brief second to say happy birthday, mom. I love you so much. And that kind of leads me into a very quick tangent 
uh, maybe a birthday rant, if you will. Now, my mom, she's great about her birthday. She loves to go out to a nice dinner or to have some family around and have a nice time. You know, um, my grandma, you know, has been known to mark out um, multiple months for her birthday where people can celebrate or she likes to have multiple parties, plenty of gifts, plenty of fun. You know, she loves to have her birthday. So they're great about it. You know, myself, I like to really go under the radar. I'm not like, you know, don't don't throw me any big parties. I don't need any gifts. You know what I mean? Just real low key. But I guess the rant is like, you know, these people, there's certain people about their birthday where it's just like the most look at me moment. You know, it's all about them. You know, we get people at work. You guys have all seen them where they, you know, they or somebody at work decorates their office. Oh, it's my birthday. Everybody look at me. You know, you get people that just, uh, I don't know. It's it's a really annoying thing to me. Like, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's the gift aspect where people think like if you put your birthday out there, you get more gifts and more, you know, people patting you on the back or talking about you. Maybe they enjoy that. That's totally not me. But it, if you enjoy your birthday, do it like my mom and my grandma and other people do. Where like, yeah, you can throw it out there that, hey, it's your birthday and you can go do something fun if you want. But don't go way over the top and make it all like, hey, look at me. Hey, everybody, celebrate me. I mean, it's ridiculous, I think. So, again, I'm the I'm the far other end of that spectrum where I like to just ride low. Like I say, I don't need any more stuff. I don't need any big cakes. I don't need, you know, having 50 of my best friends and family to celebrate my day of birth. That's not me at all. But like I say, if, if you're a birthday person, like, don't bring it to work. Don't tell 80 million people about it. Don't make a big hoopla on social media that it's your birthday. Congratulations, you were born on this day X amount of years ago. Great. Like, I, I hope you get uh, a gift or two if that's what you're about. I hope you go out and have a nice evening if that's what you're about. Hope your kids, your family, whoever, say happy birthday to you. But don't don't be ultra selfish about it. It seems like the most selfish day ever. Like, you know, holidays are one thing, you know, those are national and those are about good cause. Your birthday is about you. <laughs> so when you start over celebrating, it's like, hey, look at me. Everyone should bow to me. Oh, it's my day. I mean, just seems odd to me. But again, my mom doesn't do that. Others don't that I know don't do that. But I see it other places at work with the friends, with fans, it's just like, come on, it's, it's enough of the craziness with the birthdays, but happy birthday, mom, I love you, hope you have a great day, all right, let's get into football now, that was just a side tangent rant, now, we're focusing on under the radar type guys, guys that I've been impressed with, the Detroit Lions, for me, it kind of comes to, um, you know, Charles Harris, a former first round pick, this guy was on my radar when that draft rolled around. I liked his pass rush. He's coming out of Missouri. Um, you know, he slid down the draft board. I want to say he went in the bottom third of the draft. And, and he went to Miami. And, you know, for some reason, they just never knew how to use him. He just never made plays. He real big bust when it came to production. Bounced around a little bit, I think, to some different teams. Went to Atlanta and some different places. But, man... I think he's really playing good ball here in Detroit. And I'd recently heard a little interview with uh, Shepard, Shep as they call him, his uh, position type coach, kind of that linebacker, outside linebacker type coach. And, uh, man, he, uh, he he really loved him. He said, man, he was just used improperly. Like, he's been a dog since he got here. His mentality has been second to none. And it's showing up on the football field. Well, we got four games in a row with this guy with the sack. 
Number 53, you always see him sort of being out there making plays around the football. I, I do like what he brings. I mean, he's still a pretty young guy. I think that this is a guy that if they continue to make that role for him, he continues to make plays. And as Shep said, hey, you can't come out and make plays and then disappear and still think I'm going to give you the same amount of reps, same role. So they're definitely still pushing this guy. He hasn't made it by any means. And I like that mentality as well. But they said his motor never stops. You know what I mean? And that's what they need from that position, kind of that 3-4 outside linebacker. You need to be able to have that crazy motor, set the edge, and do some things. So, you know, Charles Harris to me is a guy that's really coming on. Younger guy, first-round pedigree, um, good production in college. Maybe has found his fit here with the Detroit Lions, and I like him. I would definitely like to see them try to keep him around and and you know grow a role and see him on the football field a lot, especially if he continues to produce the way he does. So um, the next guy I have here is JRM, Jalen Reeves-Maven. I think they're calling him Germ, which I don't know if that's like a compliment or it's really the worst nickname ever. I don't know if it's like a shortening or a sounding like JRM sounds like germ. I, I don't know what's going on there, but I believe that's what him and his teammates are calling him. But I don't care what you call him. JRM, germ, Jalen Reeves-Mabin, Reeves-Mabin. Uh, I think Dan Campbell's even just called him uh, Mabin before. He just uh, shortens his whole last name. So don't care what you call him. This guy's all over the football field, number 44. Again, I hate to keep saying this because people are like, oh, Okri, you just love everybody, or you always say that you love this guy in the draft process. You go back, and like there was a lot of buzz around Jalen Rees-Maven. Coming out of Tennessee, he could run sideline to sideline, tackle you. Had, had, he was coming off injury, I believe, when he came into that draft, so his stock kind of fell but didn't really fall. The Lions took him in the fourth round, I want to say. And they just never played him. Like, I don't know why they took him and then just made him a special teams only type of guy. They could tell you, oh, he didn't show up in practice. He wasn't doing this. He wasn't doing that. Uh, He had some injuries. It feels like he has been hurt from time to time, but he also, when he's out there, he always seemed to do well. And finally, this new staff is saying, hey, we give you a little, you do well, we'll give you more. And they continue to give him more snaps, more opportunities on defense. And oh my goodness, like... He's he's making tackles. He's making hits. He's getting his hands on the football. I think a couple weeks ago, tipped a ball that got intercepted. Now this past week, the incredible strip late in the football game that should have won that game for the Lions. Um, I just like what he brings. I feel like he had a lot of issues too, where they were telling him get bigger, get smaller, get bigger, get small, get bigger, bigger, bigger. You know, with and it's just like just let this guy play. You know, if he's healthy, let him do what he does. Which is, you know, I know the draft. Um, Gosh, what was it? The podcast I listened to back in the day was Sykema, Trevor Sykema, um, you know, the NFL draft on on the Lockdown Network. They they liked this guy. They were like, man, we like Jalen Rees-Mapin. And, you know, everybody hasn't liked him the last few years because he's been non-existent. But he's really showing up now. So this is a guy you can probably get at a really decent price. Bring him back here for multiple years. Again, still pretty young guy. Um, I think he he has a place here as well. Bobby Price. Bobby Price is a guy to me that I like just the way he looked in the uniform. I think a couple years ago he had the crazy long dreads, which is always a plus for me. That gives you like credit just like as a baller if you have these crazy dreads and you look yoked up. I just like, man, you could probably play, you know. Um, But he just he didn't have find a fit again the old regime just never got to play never got opportunities now they moved him from safety to corner I mean 
you like some of the things you see. The thing I don't like is people, he'll go out and make a couple plays, and you get Lions fans and people just like, oh, Bobby Price is coming along. He's a, he's our next uh, number two, number three corner. Like, you still got to be realistic of his spot on the team, you know, what his overall draft physical abilities are you know I think he's getting opportunity now and he's done some nice things but I really don't know both what his ceiling is or where he fits on the team it's a guy that I think has done some nice things but you obviously need to see more he's a guy too that Dan Campbell will often say like he's making mistakes out there for a young guy you know and they have to he might be one of the guys that I feel they've they pulled back on a little bit because of those mistakes or because of those slow ability to adapt to certain things they were like hey we got to give Bobby Price less but he's still out there I'd still like to see more from him we'll see where he comes the next little bit especially with their injuries he will be out there quite a bit so keep an eye on Bobby Price that's a TBD for me uh Parker A.J. Parker or whatever, they got him running out there at corner. I thought he really played well against Minnesota. I really do. I feel like even when he was getting balls caught on him, he was right there. Rayburn needs to be playing sticky, getting the guy down after coverage. That's my big beef with A.O. I mean, normally I play the drop that goes something like this. A.O. Oh, baby. But, like, all I say when I watch football games now is A.O. Oh, no, like, yeah, he's got a few interceptions, but most of the time he's five yards off or he's playing this slow off coverage and still getting burnt. So I don't know what's going on with A.O., but A.J. Parker to me is uh, he's a nice breath of fresh air. Just, you know, working hard out there, knows his assignments. Yeah, he got beat a couple times that cost us the game in Minnesota. You can't totally overlook that, but. His name's A.J. Parker, man. He's trying to figure it out. He's probably a guy that should be more of a special teams guy, more of a fifth corner on most teams at best. Now he's out there running against these top-flight wide receivers. I mean, again, we'll see how he comes along. I like some things I see. Other things are disconcerting when he does get beat, but I'm telling you, most of the time when he gets beat, he's he's in pretty good phase, pretty much where you want him. I do like some things I see from A.J. Parker as well. Dean Marlowe is a little bit more of a vet, but it's a vet I like, man. It seemed like when he got more snaps, we were getting more consistency than we get from Will Harris. Yeah, I know. Everybody out there listening. My guy, Will Harris, a guy that I've been quoted on this show as saying, man, he's a future leader, future captain of this team. Yeah, that was about three years ago when they took him, and I thought he still had upside, and I've seen him for two years get roasted, toasted, and extra crispy, so... Sorry, Will Harris. I've soured on you now. I hear people saying, hey, Will Harris looked pretty good last game. Will Harris doing some nice things. Yeah, I don't see it enough. I don't see the consistency. I don't see him in fate. I don't see tackling. I don't see ball hawk playmaking, getting after the quarterback. But Dean Marlowe is a much more consistent vet to me, a no-nonsense guy. You listen to his interviews. He's very on point with what you got to do to win. He's been in this league. He played for good teams like with Buffalo and other places. So... I think Marlowe is a guy I'd like to see more than number 25, Will Harris, out there and see if he can just add some stability and allow Tracy Walker to freelance a little more, do a little bit more of what he seemed to do nice in that Minnesota game, which was make plays on the football, you know, get after, um, make some big hits, you know, do, uh, I'd still like to see him either get after the quarterback more or create more turnovers in the air. You know, you haven't seen him make many plays on the football when it's on in the air. Again, that's the thing I keep harping on with number 21. So Dean Marlowe, I think, you know, is that vet safety is a guy that I'm intrigued by, as Dan Campbell would say. 
Now, here's a guy I got a lot of issues with, to be honest, but I put him on my list because you spent a fifth and a seventh round draft pick on him. Trinity Benson. I mean, Trinity Benson's a guy we've seen nothing from. Now, when I see him out there, I'm like, man, he looks pretty good in the uniform. Like, you know, I'd like to see them figure out what routes he runs well, get him the football. Can he run after catch? Can he catch the deep ball? I don't know because he hasn't done anything yet. <laughs> and you gave up two draft assets for this guy, and he's done squadouche, nothing, zero. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I don't know what we have in Trinity Benson. He has a unique name. He looks like he could do some things. He's wearing 17. It's kind of a horrible number, but it looks somewhat swaggy. I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, every week I feel like the deep Detroit Kool-Aid drinker in me is like, Oh, man, this might be the week that Trinity Benson balls out. Drink it in, man. <laughs> oh, man. Why, maybe maybe out of nowhere, Trinity Benson makes a big catch or, or makes a few catches and actually gets in the end zone. Cornbread! <laughs> and it never happens yet, so I don't know. I'm hoping this guy comes on. Pretty much he's on my list of under-the-radar guys to maybe keep around because you basically got to keep him around, and he's really under the radar because he's done nothing. Did I mention that? Um, but I, I hope he comes around. I hope he turns into a nice receiver. And when I say nice receiver, to me, you're going to see a lot of these guys get pushed down on the Detroit Lions. You're going to see guys that are getting lots of reps now or being looked at as contributors. You know, could I see like Cephas when he comes back next year or whatever be like a three or a four receiver? Yes. Could I see Trinity Benson be like a nice four five type guy, you know, on a team where they they get a stud number one and they piece together a vet, you know, as a number two, you know, and number three is St. Brown. Yeah, I could see that. So, you know, I don't have the highest expectations, but I do need a contributor when I gave up a fifth and a seventh for this guy who's done nothing. Um, but I root for Trinity Benson. I really do. I hope he's a good ball player. I just have seen uh, nothing from this guy whatsoever. So we'll see. Um, Kadero Hodge, to me, obviously made the big two-point conversion. He has a little connection with Jared Goff. They say he's coming along. He seems to be getting more reps. You do see some catches in the middle of the football field, some actual production, unlike Trinity Benson, who's done Nothing so far. Um, Hodge has uh, made a few plays. I, I do like some things I see. So he's a guy to keep an eye on. Again, you know, is he a special teams guy? Is he a guy that can give you a little bit in the passing game? I don't think he has a huge ceiling. You know, you have these people tell you, oh, watch him ball out. Even if he has a few big games here late with the Lions, I'm not rising up the charts like he's our number three receiver next year or something. No, he's his name's Cordero Hodge. He plays the bottom of the roster type wide receiver for a reason. Now, and I got a lot of receivers on this list when I'm looking at it, but you look at Khalif Raymond, or Leaf, as they call him. I mean, gosh, he's done some nice things. I'm not going to lie. The last few weeks, it's kind of like I wrote him off. It's like, who's Khalif Raymond? Why are they making Khalif Raymond number two? Like, he's some established receiver. Well, then he comes out and balls out for a few weeks, and I'm like, man, I kind of like Khalif Raymond's game. He's a hard worker. Makes plays, catches it when it's thrown to him. Made some plays downfield, found the end zone a few times. Like, I like all that, but again... I like it all now on the Lions team that has nobody at that position, really. So, I mean, I'm going to keep my eye on him. I kind of like him. He's going to be counted on if we're going to try to win ball games. Him and St. Brown are going to be the two guys that are going to have to make plays. But 
I really don't see an ultimate future for Khalif Raymond unless he really balls out this year and then he pushes some of those guys I just mentioned off the roster. Like, I could see Khalif Raymond pushing Trinity Benson off the roster if Trinity Benson continues to do nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing. Um, then I could see Raymond getting his spot. I could see Raymond uh, knocking Cordell Hodge off the bottom of the wide receiver depth chart and staying around on this team because they seem to love him. Dan Campbell, Dan freaking Campbell. Everybody's like, man, Trinity Ben, I love Trinity Ben. Chalif is incredible. Okay, he's decent. He's a decent receiver, but this is the NFL, man. We can't have him being like our number one go-to guy right now. So that's what I got for kind of guys that are under the radar, but I might want to keep around. I said I was going to tighten up this show, but here we go. Um, going a little bit long here, but having some fun on the mic. So let's get to these trade options, maybe values. I'll get through these pretty quick. Um, the NFL trade deadline is Tuesday, November 2nd. That's about two, three weeks away from when you're hearing this. So, you know, to me, the Lions are definitely sellers. But a lot of people online on Twitter, you guys can find me at Derek Okri. That's spelled D-E-R-E-K-O-K-R-I-E. Man, they're just telling me, like, why are you going to give away any of our good players? Like, we're trying to build something. Like, we can't minus anything. And to some degree, I agree. It's like, yeah, I know that we're already struggling with talent. I know that our roster is poor in lots of spots. I know that we've had crazy amount of injuries. I understand that the record is not looking good at this point and probably won't look um, good or where I hoped it would be at the end of this year. But I'm here to tell you where the Lions are at right now. To me, nobody's off limits you know, depending on the offer. Now, am I taking junk offers and giving away to my time? No. But am I saying you're untradeable? No, not to anybody on this team. And basically nobody ever, depending on what you're offering me. So, you know, I think the Lions could make a big time aggressive move by getting rid of one of their quote unquote bigger names or productive football players if the price is right. But what will probably happen is they'll probably stand pat pretty much You know, they might bring in a player or two on the lower side of the roster that's young that maybe can show some things and and help their team next year. But I don't expect them to be sellers the way that I might consider being a seller, and I don't expect them to be big-time buyers. It's just going to kind of be low-level bringing in as well as, you know, maybe listening to offers for certain guys and then probably doing what most guys in the NFL do, which is say we didn't get any good offers for so-and-so until they end up keeping everybody around. But when I look at the value check, to me, Taylor Decker, here's the thing with Taylor Decker. They just paid him, but it was the other regime. You heard Dan Campbell waffle here recently about, I mean, I guess Taylor Decker's going back to left, but... Penne is going to right, but I mean, we'll see how it goes. And Taylor Decker, you know, is coming back to practice, but we'll see how long it takes. And he doesn't seem like ultra fired up about Taylor Decker as a football player. So my thing is, if the Colts or another team that really needs a left tackle or wants to upgrade their offensive line came screaming with a decent offer, I would definitely consider it. Now, you took Taylor Decker at the bottom of the first round in the 20s, so... Again, when you're looking at value, it's he's paid at a good amount, so that's got to come into factor. That kind of raises his value for for me for letting him go to other teams. There's some dead cap involved, stuff like that that hurts the Lions, so that's a negative. I mean, again, I would be taking anything from like a two and a three 
to a first rounder if somebody was crazy enough to give that up. I'm taking a couple seconds probably if that's offered and it's decent, um, you know, type of you know draft selections. And again, I'm not going to go on this big rant, but you people that out there listening who are always so crazy about like, oh, if a pick's in the 20s or 30s of the first round, it's no good. No, it's real good. A top pick in the second or mid-second round pick is absolute gold in the NFL. You've got to understand this. Like, it doesn't matter necessarily where these top picks are. Anything in rounds one through three, to me, is a great asset to have. So you got to consider that when these guys are going. So Taylor Decker, I mean, I'm keeping around. I would love to see him, Frank, Penne, Jonah next year. But if somebody comes knocking with the right price, I'm going to at least listen to a trade from Taylor Decker. Now, TJ Hawkinson uh, is a guy, again, I mentioned on the Wednesday show, I got a lot of flack for just asking, like, what's his value? Where do you guys see him? How much you like him? What's his plan for the future here in Detroit? And the majority of people were just like, we absolutely love this guy. There's no way you can get rid of this player. I mean, he not no way, no how. He's a keeper. He's a great football player. He's a top five tight end. And most of that I agree with. Great player, top end, tight end, you know, only going to get better, blah, blah, blah. But if somebody comes knocking with a really nice return, I'm willing to consider it. Because I think that you could turn a guy like that into multiple assets that can help you long term. And other people could pay TJ Hawkinson. And TJ Hawkinson go on to be a great tight end. I know that I can win in the NFL with a really great team and a mid to upper mid tight end. I don't need an all-world tight end. It's nice to have, but I don't need it. So that's where I'm at with Hawkinson. I think that I mean his value would be the same range as Decker. You know, any of those multiple picks, or if somebody's dangling a first, I don't really even care where it is. I'm definitely considering that, but I don't see that happening. Here's another crazy name to bring up: DeAndre Swift. Now. The only reason I would even put him in kind of trade discussions because one, how well he's playing right now. Two, he's a running back. So the way Swag, Jamal Williams, is playing, it's sort of like you got two good guys there. Three, you know, again, I love his game. I love everything about him. But I don't know that he's changing games or he's winning championships for us. So I don't think he would get a big trade market because of the position he plays. But he's an electric talent, so I'm much more for keeping DeAndre Swift. But because of his position and because you're going to have to somewhat pay him here soon and because I have Jamal Williams and because I can go find a running back in the fifth, sixth round, because I got Jamar Jefferson, I would listen. I would listen to offers. I don't know that anybody's going to come calling necessarily, but I think DeAndre Swift's proving to be a top 12 type running back in the NFL based on what he can do in the past in the run game. And you don't see many people with his juice, his shiftiness, and he can find the end zone, as I've said before too. And he's proven it once again this year. So interesting. Uh, I threw Jared Goff at the bottom of this list just because you look at his numbers, pretty good numbers. There's some quarterback needy teams out there. I don't see anybody clamoring for him because he hasn't, you know, been great by any means. He hasn't, you know, been electric in the passing game or anything that would just have people salivating. But you look at these teams like, you know, that need a quarterback or are still trying to fiddle around. Like he's somebody that I would always be open to dealing with as much as Brad Holmes and company love him. Now, it's not going to fetch you anywhere near like some of these other prices I'm talking about. But, you know, those mid-round picks, a 3-4, you know, something like that is bonus because you kind of know this guy's not the long-term answer anyway. Now, the, 
the obvious answer is we're going to have him for the next two years. We're either going to piece a quarterback in that time or we're just going to go all Jared Goff the next two years, build around, build up talent, and then probably move on from him and slot in a younger guy or a crazy trade. We could maybe get a, a vet in the middle of his career that's a ball player. I mean, that's an option as well. So, I mean, I don't see anybody calling for Jared Goff, but he is a quarterback, and quarterbacks are premium. You see, like, guys have done nothing at the quarterback position, go for first, second-round picks, whatever it is. So there is crazy value there, and if anybody ever called, I would not, you know, slam the phone down. I would listen. I would consider offers. I would even consider dealing him this year if somebody really needed a QB and thought he could help him because... You know, we know where the Lions season is heading. I would roll blah out there or whatever I had to do just to, uh, you know, acquire that asset. So it's all about the Lions. If they could use some of these premier players and acquire draft assets or free up cap space, that's only going to help them in the future as they continue to build a new, fun, exciting, young, inexpensive, hungry, nasty football team, which is what we all want here in Detroit. So... All right, everybody, so I went, you know, 20, 25 minutes there. Let me go ahead and get our great sponsors in here. We come back, we'll spend 10, 15 minutes, whatever it is, talking about the Cincinnati Bengals coming into town, get you ready for that game, give you some of their rankings, some things I see that we might be able to exploit, as well as some issues I have with this game, both for the Lions and the Bengals. So, everybody, we'll do that right after the break. We'll be right back. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, everybody, this goes out to my fantasy football fans out there. Now, you probably heard about Reality Sports Online, the most powerful fantasy sports platform where owners can build and manage their fantasy team like a real NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? I mean, we're talking free agency, multi-year contracts, rookie drafts, multi-team trades. You could put franchise tags on guys. Uh, It's as close as you're going to get to being an NFL GM. But do you think it sounds complicated? It's not. I'm here to tell you it's the best thing about Reality Sports Online is it's just more fun than your normal fantasy league, but it doesn't take barely any more time. After all this, are you still not sure? I mean, come on now. You can test your general manager skills by going over to Reality Sports Online, call it RSO. Please go check out realitysportsonline.com right now. All right, everybody, we're back from the commercial break. Thanks so much for listening to our sponsors. Really helps out the show. Um, Please give me a follow on Twitter at Derek Oakery or um, hit that subscribe button here on the show. Share it with a friend. We come to you Wednesdays and Fridays serving up that Detroit Kool-Aid right here on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. And I don't think I hit on this, but before we get into the Cincy game, I got to talk about this with Chops when he comes back, because me and him, 
we didn't really say it when he had him on and it'll be a few weeks till he comes back but me and him had just the ultimate blast at the uh, Baltimore tailgate we were serving up Detroit Kool-Aid literally we were handing it out to people handing out Kool-Aid packets we were yelling at Baltimore fans telling them that uh you know it's not about purple drink it's about Detroit Kool-Aid I mean we had just an absolute blast people were laughing people were taking pictures at our tailgate asking about that Detroit Kool-Aid subscribing to the pod so hopefully we can do that more of that in the future is, is get out and have a bunch of fun with the Detroit Kool-Aid uh, motto and the show and everything that's going on but uh, again it continues to grow your guys support is crazy I always get these DMs these tweets where it's just like Love the show. Keep up. This is so funny. This is, you know, you had a good take on this. A lot of people, you know, I didn't agree with you here. You know, all that kind of stuff is just really fun. So I just appreciate all the listeners, everybody that makes this show go week in, week out. Thank you so much. I try to say that most weeks because I do really appreciate and just anybody that's ever hit um, the play button or the subscribe button here on the show means a lot to me and uh, the show in general. So thank you so much. Let's uh, let's dive into the Cincy game right now. So to me, looking at this one, I put a tweet out here uh, just uh, the other day saying, man, a lot of people have this game as like a, a W for the Lions because it's Cincy and because they haven't been very good and because most people want to just go off the old or they don't want to look at what's going on right now. And I see it a lot differently. But when you look at it from a grand scheme, it's only a three-point spread. I mean, they have an over-under at 47 and a half, so they assume both teams are going to kind of be in that mid-20s, it feels like. Now, I I would favor the Bengals in this game, even though it's a home game for the Lions, just because of, you know, the quarterback they have, the offensive weapons, the injuries on the Lions. But the Lions have been playing well, you know what I mean? The last few games, they've hung in there against teams that you know, we're favored by 10 or by 8 or by 12. or whatever. And so this is more of a pick em game, even on the Vegas line. And to me, you know, the, the biggest fear factor is Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and my guy, Joe Mixon. Joe Mixon was going to have an ankle injury. He seems to be fine. He's going to be out there rolling against the Lions as well. So when you dive into some of Cincinnati's numbers, I mean, I was kind of surprised by him, to be honest. You look at their offense, like points per game, middle of the league, the 18th, you know, ranked yards per game. They're all the way down at 25th points, you know, they're, uh, that's points per play. Let's see what else we got here. I mean, you go down to their rushing stats. They're a pretty good rushing team, 11th, it looks like, in the league right now. Not a very good yards per rush, though, at 3.9. That's classic Joe Mixon. It's like you always expect him to be this electric back and his yards per carry always in the threes. Yet he will break off some big plays or he'll have those big games of 100 and a touchdown or two. So you got to be on the lookout for that. And you'd think their passing game is, you know, top of the line. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, even though he's been injured. Uh, you got Boyd on there in the outside. You know, even their tight end had some success in that primetime game here recently. But... Their passing statistics right now looks like they're 22nd in the league, um, you know, in, in, you know, pass, you know, play type percentage. And that's their amount of passes are, are 22nd. So they're actually being more, you know, split heavy. Now, Joe Burrow, 71% passer um, completion type wise. That's third in the league. That's real good. They also chuck it down the field. I mean, 8.1 per pass. That's big time. What's, what's Jared Goff like in the in the fours, five somewhere. So he's three, four yards lower per pass play. And that's, that's big. That's a very big, 
type number when, when you look at that. Um, let's see what else we got here in regards to some of their numbers. Because like I said, I was going through these thinking, man, they're gonna be um, they're gonna be big time in all these numbers. And to me, it just it just wasn't there. Now, when you look at some of their defensive numbers, same type of thing. You know, the Cincinnati defense points per game. They're giving up twenty points per game, so that's seventh in the league. That that's good. You know, they're they're you know they're rushing D. You know, looks solid overall. They're looks like teams are trying to pass against them, doing decently well. You know, almost a 68, 70% pass completion. They're also throwing for that six and a half plus yards per. So they're getting some plays down there as well. And I mean, you throw all these numbers in, and you're just kind of like, okay, you know, I'm looking at, you know, penalties per play. They're looks like they're fourth ranked. So Penalties per game, five, you know, so it's a team, again, they always seem kind of like an undisciplined, unsuccessful team, similar to somewhat how the Lions are most times. But when I looked at it just from a big picture view, I was like, I don't know how the Lions are going to guard two or three of those receivers. Now, if they have T. Higgins as well, I haven't looked up his injury status, but that's going to be trouble. That really is, because as much as I pumped up some of our backup corners, I think Joe Burrow can just throw it all around the yard, especially indoors at Ford Field. Let's see if I can pull up a little something on T. Higgins right now and see where he's at because he's a hell of a player. He's just been out for quite a bit, and I have not as much fantasy football as I play and billion leagues I'm in. I do not have T. Higgins in one league across the board. He's just not a guy that ever fell to me, but guy's a beast, man. 6'4", 215, big old wingspan, go get the football. I don't know. I'm trying to see if any updates on his injury right now. Hmm. Nothing's jumping out to me, but I'll keep looking while we're talking here. So, to me, uh, again, I keep saying to me. What am I doing? To me. What? What is that? Some weird tagline I got today. But uh, in general terms, I think the Lions are going to have to find a way to stop the pass. You know, they're going to have to... They're going to have to hold Joe Mixon down, you know, which, like I said, has been done plenty of times in the past where you thought the guy was going to blow up or he's this dynamic running back. He's had plenty of bad games. You can trust me on that because I have him in plenty of fantasy leagues. Um, so still not getting anything on T. Higgins here. So sorry about that. I, was, I should have had some big-time update. But it looks like shoulder injury out for weeks four or five. I don't see anything saying he's right around the corner or anything. So... You know, we will see kind of what ends up happening. My hope is he's out. I'm always rooting for these players to be out against the Detroit Lions. But who's going to cover Jamar Chase? I mean, I would assume they're going to put A.O. around him, but A.O. is not very good when it comes to guys that are either route runners or Jamar Chase is a physical beast. I mean, you don't come up and... Maybe that might work for A.O. Because A.O. is playing all this soft coverage, just playing zones, sort of letting you catch it and tackle him. So maybe that would help. But he's going to be a problem. You know, Mixon's going to be a problem. Now you look at their defense. There's not many big names over there. I mean, I know they got some young type linebackers. You know, Jesse Bates or whatever. I think he's been out. He's one of their good safeties. We'll see if he's out there playing. Can't tell you much about their corners. You know, you got... You got guys on the D-line that are just ho-hum for the most part. You know, they do, I think they invested in the kid Hendrickson from uh, the Saints. I mean, D 
decent, decent player. He's got some good rushes this year. I think his stats are pretty good. So that that's a player to look out for. But it's, their defense doesn't scare me. It's just like, I don't know if the Lions are going to be able to hold down that offense or if Joe Burrow is going to go for like 350 and like three touchdowns, two to Jamar Chase, one to Mixon underneath, or you know just air it out all day. I don't know how they're going to approach the Lions, but I think from the Lions' perspective on how we're going to drink that Detroit Kool-Aid and get this W, hold on. Let me fill up everybody's glass before I get into this. Drink it in, man. Like, when we're looking at the Kool-Aid take, when it comes to the Lions, it's sort of like, gosh, you know? You're just waiting for Jared Goff to put four quarters together. You're waiting for him to have a decent passing game both underneath and a few explosives you know to be able to put points on the board he had that seam route you know against Chicago it was nice to see kind of a 20-30 yard touchdown to, to Leaf you'd like to see more of that but he's been pretty consistent in this presser saying he's going to throw it to who's open and he's going to even Dan Campbell was like just hit who's open sometimes you got Hawkinson on the stick just hit him you know you've got a guy on your first look throw it you know, rather than trying to make a bigger play. So maybe he'll just do that all day. But I would I would love again for Hawkinson, Swift, St. Brown, Goff to really have the best game of their season against a Cincinnati-type defense, which, again, I think can be had for some points and some big plays. And then they're just going to have to have a similar defensive effort that they had against Minnesota. I mean, you have to go out there. You have to get off the field on third down, which they did really late in that game. You have to create a few turnovers, which they did in the Minnesota game. You have to stiffen up um, sometimes on those short yardage plays, which I feel like they did a couple times, or a couple times guys made catches and they made some really nice hits were right on them. Those are the type of things you got to just continue to build on. So if this defense can hold up and be decent and the offense can be more explosive, a hell of a lot more explosive than they were in Minnesota, because you go back and watch that game. I mean, they're doing nothing for th- three plus quarters and then they were able to cash in at the end and it almost looked glorious for him but if you do anything before if Derek Goff doesn't turn the football over twice in field goal range again it's another game we probably win because it's six more points I think he took off the board with those turnovers you just crumple and fall down or keep the ball in your hands we kick a field goal Seibert's been really solid in my opinion Uh, it's a different ball game so uh, again, my biggest worry in this game is that Cincy just goes crazy and puts up like 30, 40 points. And this is one of those like 42 to like, you know, 24 because we end up scoring some late points or something football game. Best case scenario is, that, OK, they, Vegas has it in the 20s. So let's go ahead and go like, you know, 28, 24 Lions or 31, 28 Lions. You know, that would be incredible. I just don't see this being a low-scoring game where like both teams are clunky all day and then they end up you know, in one of those low-teens, mid-teens type football games. I don't see it being that at all. I see it being a really fun game to watch, to be honest, because I feel like since he's going to throw it all over the yard and be able to run on the Lions more than we'd hope, and I think the Lions will be able to do some things too, so we'd really like to see Goff and company get it together. TJ... Hawkinson, um, maybe put up 100 yards and a tug. Um, that, that's my new favorite line, by the way. I know they're using it on, like, uh, Good Morning Football, but I seriously, when I'm watching games or my fantasy teams, I'm always like, oh, that's 120 and a tug um, <laughs> for a touchdown. I just think it's so funny. It makes no sense, but it's just fun to say, man. So let's get uh, let's get St. Brown, like, 50 and a tug. Um, get him in the end zone. That'd be nice. And, uh, yeah, like I say, DeAndre Swift, 100 
100-yard game. You know what I mean? Like, he hasn't been running it much, but, like, DeAndre Swift's got the capability to get you 100 on the ground and in the air if you really feature him, you know? But Jamal Williams is doing nice as well. So, I don't know. It's going to be a fun one to watch, I think. If I got to throw my prediction out here on a Friday show... I know I've been doing a lot of W's for the Lions. I know the Lions have been doing a lot of L's, unfortunately. Um, a lot of people have this as a W for the Lions. This is the Kool-Aid cast. Oh, I'm going to tell you. I mean, you guys are going to like it, but I can't go W every week for the Lions. But I'll tell you this. Let's say that it's going to be a fun game to watch. A lot of points on the board. I'm going to go um, 34th. Mm, 34-28. Um, Cincy in this game. Obviously, I hope I'm wrong. I hope the Lions come out win this game. I hope they look good on both sides of the football. Hope they play solid. Hope some of the young cats come along again. Levi Owens Arike has been playing better. Lee McNeil's been playing better. Derek Barnes in the middle of the defense have been doing some things. So if those guys can keep coming along and keep playing well, make a plays, I can deal with some of the shortcomings on the scoreboard and whatnot. So I see this as being a loss for the Lions. I really hope that offense gets going, though, because it has been kind of hard to watch. No points in the first half in multiple games. You know, basically no points other than field goals. So really late in that Minnesota game. Didn't score enough to beat Chicago. Didn't score enough in, in um you know, the Green Bay game, you know, a lot of things fall on this offense and on number 16, turning it over a little too much. So clean all that up, have a fun football game, see where you come out in the end. So that's what I got everybody for Cincy and Detroit. Let's hope our Lions pull it out. Let's hope they get their first victory for Dan freaking Campbell, because I think I speak for Dan Campbell, myself, Lions fans, One Pride, the Detroit Kool-Aid drinkers. We are sick of losing. We're tired of it. We've had enough of that you-know-what, right, Dan Campbell? You've had enough of that Exactly. So let's go get a W over Cincy, and let's get this monkey off our back. Let's do some things. So that's all I got this week. Everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Drink it in, everybody, and I'll catch you next week right here on the show. Take care, everybody. I'm out. Drink it in.